Is there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. It's my favorite time of the week, and I know it is your favorite time because we hear from so many of you. You love Advanced Medicine Mondays. Why? Because Dr. Batar, man, he's Mr. Awesome. No, he's Dr. Awesome. Dr. Batar is back. Welcome, my friend. Hey, Robert. How are you? <laughs> Doing great. I mean, I'm loving all the feedback. I mean, people really look forward to us getting together each week to start the week off right for them. So they have a, a thought form that's really actually positive, power, empowering, uplifting, sometimes funny and outrageous, too. But uh, it's, it's a great way to start the week. Well, Robert, I always enjoy starting out the week this way, too, and it sets, sets a good mood. And um, actually, I didn't tell you this off the air before we got on, but mm-hmm. I've got to send you a couple of emails that came in from people that have uh, been listening to us that came in through, I think it was either Facebook or through our ticket system. So I'll forward those to you, too, while during the break. Okay, that'd be great. We can read them on the air, let everybody know how much we appreciate the feedback. And, of course, you can call us, 866-939-BELL, 866-939-2355. And as we get started, of course, remember Houston, Texas coming up November 16th, 17th, and that is the biggest next Advanced Medicine Seminar date, Friday and Saturday, all the healthcare providers both days, and, and everybody else come on on Saturday of the event. We'll look forward to that. The links are up. And I, I guess we have to start, even though it's not the happiest of things, is what happened in the Northeast uh, over the last few days to week. And this is something to my mind says... Why aren't people preparing for basic disaster scenarios that happen, whether it be a tornado, a hurricane, an earthquake, much less war? But people 24 hours out were starving already. I mean, how is that possible? I think it comes down to the old Boy Scout motto, be prepared. They weren't prepared. Yeah, that's certainly an understatement. And one of the possible scenario problems I see here is that you have – the, the FEMA, the emergency management, saying, yes, it's a good idea to prepare, yet other parts of the government itself, T- Homeland Security, et cetera, says that if you're a prepper, you might be a terrorist. So it's really a kind of a, a message that is, is completely mixed, that if you prepare too much, you could be dangerous. You prepare not enough, you're, you're a danger to yourself. Well, you know, it's interesting that you bring that up, Robert. Think about this for a second. Those that prepare are painted or ostracized as being terrorists, which would indicate that they don't want anybody to be prepared so that we become more dependent upon the system, which we already know is inadequate and is incapable of taking care of the masses. And this has been one of the messages we've talked about for the last two years, that we have to take control of our own lives. We have to have Uh, take responsibility for what we do for our loved ones, for ourselves. And it comes back to the same message about health, that we have to take responsibility for what we do in our lives. If you smoke and you consume high levels of substances that are laden with synthetics and preservatives and insecticides and pesticides that are not conducive to the the benefit of your overall health, um, you know, every now and then having something, that's fine. But if you're, if you're a smoker and you're drinking a lot of alcohol and you're eating a lot of preserved foods and you're eating this garbage type stuff, there's going to be a consequence for those actions that you will have to pay. And then that's that chronic disease that you have to deal with. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, people ask that question, why me, why me, why me, what happened, I don't understand. 
Now more and more people understand what those responsibilities are that then you take. I'm not saying that if you live a clean, absolute, pristine life, you're not going to get a disease because we see, still see that happening. And that's where the environmental aspects come in because a person cannot control what they're breathing. You know, this, yes. uh, not to get off topic, but it brings mm. home a really vivid story for me about a patient that I took care of, an internal medicine doctor from Michigan who had prostate cancer. And this guy had become Mr. – he's actually on one of the DVDs. He's in the cancer DVD, um, the Know Your Options DVD. Robert, if you probably recall that. Um, um, he was a, a black physician, internal medicine. Do you remember? Yeah, this was a stunning story as well. I mean, you got somebody who says, you know, I do, I do the things that I do. Why should this happen? What do I do now? Exactly. He actually had won Mr. Uh, natural USA or Mr. All, all, Mr. America of Natural. So it was a, it was not one of those bodybuilding contests that had people taking steroids. I mean, completely all natural. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was on ESPN. He was featured as the healthiest in the master's division. So that's over the age of 40. I think he was 46 at the time. Mm-hmm. And body fat of maybe 3%, which obviously isn't healthy, but that shows how cut he was because he was competing for the bodybuilding division. He volunteered in his local community, in the church, was very active, um, very spiritual, very balanced, uh, had an organic diet for the last 25 years of his life, had done everything that you would expect somebody to do that would be in the optimum level of health. And being a physician himself, he had you know, certain other information and access to certain other information. So he had stayed away from pharmaceuticals, very holistically minded. And he came down with prostate cancer. <clears throat> the long and the short of this is why would somebody who's lived a pristine life get prostate cancer? Because he did all the things that were right. And the the issue with this particular story is that he became exposed to certain types of carcinogens which he wasn't able to control the, the exposure to. When he was a little kid, he and his brother grew up in the slums of Chicago, in the inner city of Chicago. It was in an area that wasn't safe. His mom worked three jobs. The kids had to stay home. Mm-hmm. And the long and the short of it is that during the winter, when they were inside the house, they had all their windows shut because of the cold. And for entertainment, he and his brother would spray raid cans across the open flame of the stove and watch the sparkles as the chemicals went across the open flame sparkling to different colors. It was like a mini fireworks show, he said. Wow. What kind of uh, uh, pulmonary exposure and then deeper into the tissues of the body did they get at that age? Exactly. And the thing was, his brother was fine, but he wasn't. And when we did the detoxogenomics test, we looked at some genetic components. We found out that there were certain chemicals that he could not process. Mm. And that's what actually led to the advent of his cancer, you know, decades later. And so this, again, I know I kind of got off the topic. No, this is, this is so very on topic, Dr. Batar. I mean, I'm glad you brought it up. I remember the story. And it's one of those that is so illustrative of the when bad things happen to good people scenarios. How? Why? I mean, I did everything right. And we're not fully conscious and aware of all the things we were exposed to in childhood, much less our parents were completely unaware of these things. And that could set the stage for disaster later in life. I've related this story over the years. My mentor in homeopathy was dealing with uh, some childhood vaccine injuries, particularly with the variolinum with the smallpox vaccine, which was cowpox in the early part of the 20th century. Seventy years later, we were utilizing remedies to pull that stuff out. 
There's no statute of limitations, but if you weren't aware of that, you'd be wondering, well, what happened? I've been eating organic for a decade or more, and and now I have this problem. So it's such an important thing that you bring up with that story, Dr. Batar. Well, the thing is, Robert, I wanted to bring that up as as a point. And, and again, I think the reason I said we may have gotten off topic was that the point is that we need to take responsibility. And even when we do take responsibility for our own health, many times – even doing the best is still not going to be sufficient. So when it comes back to what the, the way we got started on this topic was yes. with Sandy and those that are being prepared are labeled as terrorists and those that are that are not are considered to be okay, yet they're really practicing apathy and they're not being, They're in trouble now. I'm sorry? They're in big trouble now for not preparing, whether the government wanted to the, them to do it or not. Exactly. So, so really the gist of what I'm trying to get across is that even though you prepare, you may not be fully able to prevent the disaster from happening, but that does not mean that we should be apathetic and sit back and expect others to be prepared on our behalf and that we'll be taken care of. We must, as human beings, take initiative, and we must, as responsible members of society, take the responsibility for our loved ones. And if we don't, I don't care what they label me as, as long as I'm able to take care of my family and those that are close to me. Right. And if everybody does that, then we don't have to, we don't, nobody has to worry about anything. Yeah, you're not going to have to wait for FEMA. You're not going to have to wait for the Red Cross. You'll be in a situation where you, you can help yourself and perhaps uh, even help some others that are in need around you. Exactly, exactly. And this doctor's story is perfect example of even doing the right things, there's certain things that you may not be aware of that you're exposed to. And so even though you've prepared by having food and shelter and water, you know, there may be something else that you may have forgotten. And in that case, you know, then I have to depend on somebody else. That's okay. It's not to say that you can't depend on anybody, but you certainly can't depend upon the government, which has already shown so many times that they are not capable of responding in a way that's necessary in order to help people. I yes. mean, the history goes all the way back, you know, through World War One, World War Two, during many of the uh, military crises. You, you can just look at some of the natural disasters, Katrina that happened. Even for God's sake, if you look at Benghazi, you know, the evidence is clear. For five and a half hours, they had communication all the way to the White House, emails, phones, you know, radio, they needed help, and we had um, we had military aircraft within an hour of Benghazi, but nobody was sent in to assist. And so, you know, if you're going to rely on, I mean, I'll tell you what one of our team leaders had told us when I was with the military. Yes, All right. This is one of our one of our senior leaders. Um, he was a light colonel, actually, lieutenant colonel, and he said that the only person that he depended on was on his buddy, because everything is set up on a buddy system, okay? In, in the military, you always have a buddy, uh, meaning that a partner that you can rely on. So his thing was, I rely on my buddy, or you know, your teammate, yes, and God. Yeah, That's- you said it right. I was just coming, coming to that as well. It reminds me of the old adage, uh, um, trust in God and tie up your camel. Now, the question is, what if you do everything right and it's still not enough? Seemingly, this man, this doctor, this physician had done everything right, but it still was not enough. What then? Well, you hope to surround yourself with people who can assist in those times when you are in a situation where you must reach out your hand for help and that there's somebody there that can in the case that you were there to help. But what if then no one's there? Then we come to the trust in God principle, but it's not an irresponsible trust. It's like we've done everything we are expected and asked to do. 
And at that point, we can open ourselves up in those in those crises where we feel like we're lost. Well, exactly. And, and I think that our team leaders lesson to us, though, was that don't ever expect help from anybody. Always rely upon yourself and, and your right hand, left hand person. And of course, in God, but he you know, it was it was a it was a big joke with him. It was uh, I trust in me, myself and I. And if I have to trust anybody, then it's my my teammate and God. Mm-hmm. But the reliance on the government, anybody who relies upon the government, anybody who relies historically on any government is making a mistake because by definition, the people, the government's there to support the people. And more often than not, in the, or maybe in the earlier stages, it's, it's that way, but more often than not, it is the people that are supporting the government, i.e., you know, the money that's sent into taxes, et cetera, et cetera. I, in my own world, personally, and I know Robert, having spoken to you for you know on the air for two years now, almost, and and being friends with you and associating with you for well over a decade now, yes, that people like you and I find it absolutely irresponsible to depend upon the government because if anything, you know, it's kind of like it goes back to what, uh, what was it Roosevelt or Kennedy said: "Ask not what you can do for your country." Or ask not what your country, country can, can do, do for you, for ask you. what you can do for your country type of thing. Yeah. You know, let's just talk about it from a burden standpoint. We don't want to be a burden on anybody or on our government. But honestly, if you just look at the real facts, the facts are that you can't ever rely upon the, the agency, the organization, the society, the association, or whatever it is that you're supposed to be able to rely on. And so it behooves every intelligent individual to take responsibility and be prepared themselves. Yeah. Even though understanding that it may be possible that even that – Full preparedness may not, as we've discussed now, uh, uh, ultimately lead to a full 100% solution, but at least it'll be a partial solution. Well, and that's the message we deliver here each week and six days a week on the Robert Scott Bell Show, bringing the power to heal back to you and ramping it up even higher when Dr. Batar is with us. Remember, Advanced Medicine Seminars coming up, Houston, Texas, just a few weeks away. Look forward to seeing you there Friday and Saturday for healthcare providers and everyone else come on Saturday. We'll We'll be uh, enjoying each other's company there in person. So stand by. We've got lots more healing to go on the Robert Scott Bell Show, Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rasha Bittar. Great heavens. What kind of radio show is this? The Robert Scott Bell Show. on bureaucrats and corporations that would stand in the way of health freedom. Here's Robert. Preparedness always on topic here on the Robert Scott Bell Show, especially watching what's happening in the Northeast. Hopefully it's a, a warning to everybody, but as Dr. Batar brought out, very important, very important story or lesson, if we can call it that, of someone who has done everything right and then still gets sick. Of course, that can be the excuse for some that say, well, I can do everything right and I'll still get sick, so why bother? But I'm thinking the guy that had the prostate cancer, had he not been doing what he'd been doing, he might not have been alive long enough to even have the prostate uh, cancer manifest the way it did and have the energy to recover. Absolutely, Robert. Absolutely. And, and you know, that's the kind of warning sign that you can take this and be, a de- you know, defeated by it and say, well, nothing matters and what if it did? Who cares, right? That's not what we- – <laughs> We can't help people like that. But I think that people are really getting the message. This is a letter you did over the break. You sent this to me. This is an amazing letter from a listener, Sherazade Vergara. 
Dear Dr. Batar, I'm very happy to tell you I just got your book, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away from Amazon Kindle. Also a faithful listener of the Robert Scott Bell Show every Monday and always. Since the moment I heard you, I liked you very much. I'm 43, married 20 years, three boys, 19, 16, and 7. She calls, well, I thought she was calling them a lizard, a turtle, and a fish. But no, she has lizards and turtles and fishes and, <laughs> and four dogs after all of that. No, she's cool. Uh, this note is to say thank you for your amazing information. Thank you for using your talent so wisely. All the Western medicine, as she quotes there, have done to us is to confuse us. Well, not this family here. We have been awake for a while, but there is a lot that we are learning by listening to your awesome network, Natural News. I hope you are going to be, Jesse's talking about wanting to see you at events. I hope she can come. I guess when when we're out in Southern California, it sounds like she might be on the West Coast. Uh, She'll definitely be there. Uh, but this is what, what an amazing, amazing endorsement of, of the kind of things that you're bringing out. Well, it's a, I think an endorsement of our of the radio show and what it's doing and how people are being moved by the information. And I just thought it would be nice for you to see that. So I appreciate the opportunity, Robert, that, uh, you know, we've started. It was supposed to be, I guess, a, a thing we we're going to do for a month or so. And <laughs> yeah. And, and it changed into like now it's uh, we're almost done with our second year, I believe. Right? Oh, yeah, we're closing in on it uh, by Groundhog Day, I think, of next year, 2013. This, you know, this is the thing where we we'd hoped it would take a life of its own and reach out to people and try to stimulate things that would go beyond a victim state of consciousness. Because as she said, Western medicine confuses us. It really keeps us in a state of victim consciousness i mean that's the point of it we need you to be dependent on us we don't want you to be empowered because then we won't you know you, we won't have customer i mean all we've talked about poverty consciousness all of that how it's woven together with this message of healing what like you do in the nine steps to keep the doctor away yeah and that empowerment aspect is i think the most crucial component of healing because a person when they become sick and especially if they don't know what cause their sickness and and how to recover, which is the vast majority of the cases, the the one component that is the underlying common denominator that is the most detrimental is that loss of power, that loss of empowerment. That's one reason that when we first talked about the radio show and I heard how you close it, the power to heal is yours. That's why it resonated so so strongly with me because that really is what it comes down to, Robert. And that's why this show, I think, is taken on uh, has taken on a life of its own because the empowerment aspect, in my personal opinion and in my professional opinion, yes, is the most crucial aspect of eliciting the healing process to initiate it and for to allow it to you know go full spectrum and allow to get the result that a person is trying to achieve. So when you do a drug or you do a uh, some kind of therapy or you see some, some kind of healer, the most com- important component of any aspect of that is to make sure that the individual feels power, even feels empowered. Not mm-hmm. even if, even if they're not fully empowered, make them feel as if they're empowered. You know, it's that dress like a winner, like the coaches, you said, dress like a winner, act like a winner, talk like a winner. Okay. Make them feel empowered. Mm-hmm. Give them the ability to feel that power. Give, whenever I see a spouse cut off her husband and the husband's the one who's sick and the spouse is cutting in and trying to tell me some of the history, I can feel that loss of power that person's already experiencing compounded now by that spouse who has well intentions. Right. Uh, is not understanding the whole dynamics of what's going on. So I have to cut them off mm-hmm. and ask them to hold on. Let me hear what the patient is saying to regain, help regain that power of empowerment or that, that ability for the person to feel empowered. Yeah, and it, that's an interesting thing you bring up with the spousal relationship or any relationship. Is the relationship one that 
you are empowered within it? Or is that other person taking away your power? And maybe not intentionally, not for a malicious intent, but literally they feel like that's what they must do. And in that, they basically block some of this healing or maybe all of it in this case. Absolutely. And you see this all the time with parents. You know, parents will do that with kids, not intentionally. But um, if, if there has ever been an argument that my wife and I have had, it's basically that you have to let the child be in control. You have to make sure you set the child up to win. Well, the, a person that's in a healing situation or needing to be in a healing situation who is sick, uh, that they have to be put in that position of being able to win as well. Mm. And even though there's a difference between a child and a person that's sick, the point is still it's an empowerment issue. Yeah, and, and Shirazade, uh, she follows her letter at the end of the letter. She says, uh, you know, she'll keep reading the book. I'm really interested, though, that her friend can get to know us and trust us because her son, six, has severe asthma, and he is on steroids every day, and it breaks her heart. Now, this is interesting. She brings the word trust in there. And I'm wondering how much of that lack of trust involved, and, and maybe for, for good reason, also is preventing certain healing from taking place because the fear involved in abandoning something they've been told, you must do this or you will die, uh, and you can't get beyond it, is holding people back as well. Absolutely. I think that that's a lot of it because the, you know, the, the mainstream medical profession, they talk about how important it is to have informed consent as an example. And yet, you know, we rely on those supposed experts in safeguarding our health, but we truly don't get that informed consent. And so in a way, if you think about it, if you empower somebody, you want to give them all their options and let them make the choice because that is part and parcel of that empowerment process. Mm. Yet if you don't give everybody all the choices, you only pretend that you're giving them the choices like informed consent and yet not talking about more than half of the other options out there. And if you live in the arena of we're here to protect you, but it's nothing more than a pretense to serve their underlying uh, agenda of taking over control, then, then you're not going to get that, that end result that you're seeking, which is, you know, in the case of a child, the, the child growing up confident and able to achieve whatever they set their mind to, or in a person that's sick to yes. be able to achieve the reestablishment of health or balance. And, you know, this also brings up another point, too. Sometimes we think the absence of disease as health, and that's really so far from the truth. <laughs> yes. It's a sliver of, of something that is really disconnected from that larger picture that the life is, is, is a total immersion process, and occasionally there will be challenges, but it is also what makes us stronger in reality. Now, a child with severe asthma that's on steroids is being suppressed in a way that some would argue, well, it's life-saving, but at the same point, where did it start? I had a call, Dr. Batar, over the weekend, and some people will find me occasionally, who had a child that was uh, having this trial, a year old. They already diagnosed with asthma, had been on numerous antibiotics for other things. And and much of this, it turned out, the mom figured out, was caused by the doctors. And she was saying, there's got to be another way. And we talked about nebulizing silver, some homeopathy, some detox, and avoiding the vaccines. And she was open to it. She came to these conclusions herself. Mm-hmm. And I think most people, when given the true informed consent, which essentially means being able to get all the information that is out there, not just what the doctor necessarily wants to give you, but all the real information, um, most people will come to those conclusions on their own. If, you know, in other words, the whole process of informed consent is designed to, the, the, 
premise is that if you give somebody informed consent, which means giving them all the options, they will come to their own conclusion, which is their own responsibility to do so. But you know, if you only give a person half the picture, a third of the picture, and then expect them to select from that because now you give informed, full informed consent, but the two-thirds of the truth is out there somewhere else that they're not even aware of. One, you've taken away their power. No matter what, how much you feed them a line of manure, you have still taken away their power, taken away their power, and they feel it. On an energetic level, they'll feel it. Even though they may think that you've given the information, energetically, they will feel it. You know, Robert, this is, this is something that I've experienced so many times when I've lectured or when I've been somewhere else in a different country or when a patient comes to us in the clinic. People have said that when you say something, Dr. Pitar, I for the first time, I, I know it's true. I believe you and I want to proceed. We, we don't have a thing such as... Um, when, when doctors talk about, well, you know, compliance is such a difficult thing. I don't have any issue with compliance. I mean, I have like 100% compliance. And, and I'd say probably for the last decade, decade and a half, I've had 100% compliance. But part of it could be because I just don't tolerate. If somebody doesn't do what I've asked them to do, I tell them that, look, I'm not going to watch you deteriorate. So, you know, sayonara, have a nice life. I'm not dealing with it because I don't want to – it's not because – I'm a mean person. Well, maybe some people would say I'm a mean person. <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> because I don't want to watch them deteriorate. I mean, yes. I, if I tell somebody, if they come to me and we start uh, that patient-doctor relationship, you know, one of the questions I have started asking when I sense that a person isn't 110% committed is, how much effort are you willing to put forward in getting better? Mm-hmm. And I have had people say, you know, think about it and say, hmm, 75, 80% of my effort. And, and instead of arguing with them, I just start writing down the chart and I'll, I'll verbalize what I'm writing. Okay, patient is willing to put forward 80% effort and I, as their physician, will also put forward 80% effort. <laughs> whoa, 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 wait a second, doc. What do you mean 80% effort? <laughs> and then it comes, then it opens, you know, then they've just opened up the can of worms for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there looking, I'm going, are you, a, are you an idiot? Yeah. Are you seriously expect that it's your health and you're going to put 80% forward and yet me who's not vested in your outcome, your health, you know, if you die, you live, I don't know who you are. You've come here for my help. You expect me to put more than 80% in? Hmm. How can you expect somebody else to do more than what you're willing to do yourself for your own life? And if you're not willing to do 100%, then how can you expect me to do 100%? And that's where, I t- you know, you need another doctor. And, you know, the few times it's happened, maybe three or four times it's happened. Mm-hmm. Most people have ended up being my best patients because they're like begging me, please, you know, I will give you every 110% that you want. Just be my doctor. Well, isn't it, though, that prior to that question, they've never been asked to put any effort forward other than just just take the pill. But it really didn't require an effort to do anything other than here, doc, I'll give you some money or maybe a third party will give you some money. And I expect you're going to do it all. And the doctors play right into that. Sure. No problem here. Just take this. And, And there's no investment from the doctor at all. It's never, ever brought up. That's exactly right, Robert. It was a slap in the face that brought them into reality. It was making sure that they understood that there is a consequence for their actions, hmm. and there's a consequence for their lack of actions. Wow. Well, you know, I just, I'm just, we got to take a break here, but it's sort of like literally the medical profession treats us all as if we're little children, but maybe because we're behaving as such. Maybe when we grow up, we want to see someone like a Dr. Batar. <laughs> that's, that's what we do here. It's for grownups. We have well, fun too, don't we? It, Robert, it's not about seeing me or seeing anybody. Yeah. You know, there's many good doctors out there, and of yeah. course, we all know that. And I've been very, 
fortunate to have had some of those doctors as my mentors. But mm-hmm. the point is that, you know, when you're dealing with, it's a, like a teacher, the same thing with a teacher. You want a teacher that empowers the student. You That's want a right. teacher that helps and to, to make the person realize that they have the ability to succeed, not by giving the answer. Like if I'm sitting there and I hear my wife helping my son, you know, with the homework and I'll sit there and then I'll see him ask her and she'll start to give him the answer and I have to stop it. Like, what are you doing? That's not what, that's not the process. Let him go through it. And even though he'll be upset and he may cry because he can't figure it out and this Mm -hmm. and that, but you know, when he figures it out by himself, finally, Mm -hmm. the kid glows and that's the whole point. That is, it is. And you want to meet people like that, come to the Advanced Medicine Seminar in Houston, Texas, advancedmedicineseminars.com. The link is up. It's coming up in a couple of weeks. Check it out there. We've got lots more healing to go with Dr. Raja Bittar on Advanced Medicine Monday after this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Scott Bell Show. Taking on bureaucrats and corporations that would stand in the way of health freedom. Here's Robert. Dr. Batari, you brought up the idea of the ideal doctor, the ideal teacher, or anybody can be an example like that, one that empowers people to to achieve and, and realize that they've accomplished it. Yet there are doctors out there, obviously some that are very drug-oriented, but there are some that claim to be holistic that are, I, I would call them like uh, the kids would appreciate this, Decepticons. <laughs> I mean, they, <laughs> they like to pretend you're in charge, but then they'll go, hey, let me give them some misinformation. I'm not going to call it that. But case in point, last week I had Dr. Nick Gonzalez on. We, we took apart the Andrew Weil wheel of the world who claimed that, you know, all of these uh, natural things are unsubstantiated, stay away from dangerous supplements, and all silver is bad and things like that. And this is where, again, coming back to sh- uh, the, the, the letter writer saying, well, allopathic medicine is confusing. Well, Robert, I don't know whether you want to really open up that can with me. <laughs> Maybe the wrong person to do that with. Um, I, I mean, do you really want me to go into this? Well, you know, yeah, I think so, because, look, there are a lot of people that look to so-called celebrity doctors out there, and they literally get confused. Like the letter I had is like, here's somebody that listens to our show, listen to what we do together, and they're applying it, and then suddenly somebody's parents sends them an, a video clip of Dr. Andrew Weil going, oh, my goodness, you better stay away from you know some of the things we talk about here. And I'm thinking, does this guy even have the capability to research his way out of a wet paper sack? He's got no respect for this empowerment principle. Well, you know, it's interesting that term that you use, celebrity doctor. I've, uh, I've had probably over 200 well-known celebrities that have been patients of ours over the years, and some of them have been very public about it, and you've seen some of the pictures with some with my book and such. But yes. um, I don't think it's anything to do with the celebrity doctor or not. I think it's um, I think it comes down to who is your true master. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to talk about Andrew Weil, uh, his master is the pharmaceutical industry, and there's just no doubt about it. I remember, in fact, one of the mo- I, I do have something to thank him for because after. It was his one of his books that I read that made me realize a patient that brought one of his books and was going by the advice in his book and asked me, um, you know, if this is what they should be doing. And they had all sorts of problems going on. I mean, his advice for cancer diet was stay away from peanuts. Oh. And uh, that was essentially the gist of his recommendation in that particular book. I don't know if he has any other recommendations, but this is back, I don't know, probably eight years, ten years ago. And I remember when I read that, what, I thought, what type of pathetic, anemic advice is that? Mm-hmm. And so I probably need to thank him for giving me the uh, impetus to go out and put something together that would 
give people good information, which was why the nine steps came out, which, by the way, I forgot to mention you, Robert, it is uh, being translated now into Russian and into a couple of other East European languages. So we were pretty excited about that. But the, the point being that Andrew Weil uh, used to be a huge naysayer of chelation. Now, finally, he pulled his head out of his rear end and has not been negative about chelation and has actually said, well, there may be some effectiveness to it. But, you know, if you want to look at somebody and decide if they really know what they're talking about, you need to first and foremost look at them and look at their life and look at their stat. I mean, in other words, are you going to take advice from a morbidly obese person about how to lose body fat? Mm -hmm. Are you going to take advice from somebody who smokes cigarettes when they say stop smoking cigarettes? Are you going to take advice from anybody who says anything about any topic when they themselves live in a constant state of contradiction? In other words, hypocrisy can only you, you can't you can't live in hypocrisy. And so, my first and foremost suggestion would be to anybody, and forget about Andrew Wild for a second. Anybody, look at them and look at their own state of health. Mm-hmm. I have that's what my criteria has been. I could not go to somebody who was an expert to learn from them when I couldn't see what they're preaching in their own lives. So, you know, there was a patient that, are you still there, Robert? Yes, I'm here. I'm just listening with rapt attention because it's such important insight in case anybody's not woken up to that reality. I actually didn't know because we've had some interruptions here, so I thought we may have lost power with the, with what's going on. No, 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 we're, we're good. But I tell you what, how important that is. And we've heard it from listeners that are awake because we do have a conscious audience for the most part, but we've got new people coming on all the day. And that if anybody would be confused by an Andrew Wheel while it's because they, they're not looking beyond the, the, the words and the fact that he may have published books that seemingly are semi holistic. But as Dr. Nick said last week, I mean, the, the, the guy just wants to please everybody. So he's not willing to speak out truthfully and factually on many issues like he criticized Dr. Nick. And here's a guy who's helped people with pancreatic cancer for 25 years now. They're still alive. And he's never once called them, never looked at his research, just criticized it because it would make good publicity for himself. Right. Well, and that's uh, the topic. That's another topic, too, that their agenda and why they do certain things. But, you know, the simple component that I can tell you is this. Uh, I had as an example of a story that, that this will illustrate the point. I had a patient that called me and said that they went to this doctor and this doctor uh, was going to treat their cancer. And they've got a pretty well-known clinic somewhere in Arizona or, or, or yeah, I think it's in Arizona or maybe it's in Nevada. And um, the doctor themselves had just lost their wife to cancer. And, you know, the first thing in my head is obviously everybody that treats cancer, nobody has a hundred percent success rate. And I understand that. But I remember thinking to myself, that could not have been good for him if he's got people coming to him for cancer treatment and he loses his own wife to cancer. Mm. Now we know that there are many times we learned a tremendous amount from the adversity that we go through ourselves. And in my own life, it's, this is many of the ways I learned how to deal with certain disease processes, uh, you know, autism, developmental delay, the pervasive um, developmental disorders. My own experience is what made me so much better at addressing those issues in my own life, what happened, yeah. uh, my son. So obviously we, we do learn a lot when we're forced into that state of desperation. And people have asked me, you know, what prompted me? And I've always said that it's uh, uh, desperation is the mother of all innovation. And so you learn what you need to do in order to survive. Um, but, you know, it's 
and I'm not, this, this may be a poor example, and I'm not saying that just because that doctor lost his own wife to cancer, that means that you shouldn't go to him. That's not what I'm trying to say. But what I was trying to say was that you want, you're looking for success. You want to look for models of success. And when you look at Andrew Weil as an example, let's, let's use him as an example, coming back to him. Yes. Look at his body habitus. The guy is morbidly obese. Why would anybody take any advice about nutrition from an individual who is morbidly obese? I mean, does that make any sense? Not, well, certainly not to me. And, and I just said, here's a guy who defends vaccines as a legitimate means by which you can make the immune system healthier? Come on. I mean, that alone. But, but Robert, I'm saying, let's say, let's say for somebody who's not as well-averse to this as we are, not well-versed like you and I have been sure. on vaccines, just, just look at the guy. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist. It doesn't even take an educated person. In fact, it doesn't even take a three-year-old to look and say, this is healthy food. This is not healthy food. This is what you look like when you're healthy. This is, not, this is what you look like when you're not healthy. Which one are you going to follow? This is like a square peg, triangle peg, circle peg. Mm-hmm. It's a very simple thing. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah, oh, absolutely. absolutely. So when you look at this guy, he is the epitome off imbalance. Right. He's and- got a stupid grin on his face. He's morbidly obese. He looks like Santa Claus. <laughs> I'm not, I love Santa Claus, by the way. <laughs> but my point is I'm not going to follow Santa Claus's recommendation for diet mm-hmm. off chocolate chip cookies and milk. Yeah. Well, isn't unless this- you ate whole milk and unless the cookies are made up of, you know, uh, a protein st- substitute, non-soy, 100% whey type protein, yes, then maybe I would do that. <laughs> Well, I, I think about you brought up the three-year-old uh, concept of a kid that can see this. Yet, why is it that adults cannot? That's a you know that's a big question. Oh no, actually, Robert, I think adults do. I think adults are seeing it more. This is where that resonation of truth comes in. Mm-hmm. I think people buy the books because they're desperate, but as the truth, as as there's more and more the resonation, as the energy of the planets are aligning for this 2012 you know combination that's just a couple of months away from us now, and less less than two months. I think more and more people, I'm seeing the evidence of that more and more. I have more people telling me that, just like this letter that you just read, yeah, okay? Yeah. Uh, and, and we've had, I mean, this particular letter had mentioned the show. That's one reason I wanted, you know, I sent it to you. I wanted to send it to you. But many times we get this type of feedback. It's because of what the truth that they feel, that resonate. The reason your show is so successful and the reason it's reaching all corners of the globe is because it resonates truth and you can't suppress that truth right right well we got to resonate truth with one more segment today on advanced medicine monday with dr rashi batar remember medicalrewind.com if you ever want to get to the uh, archives of our weekly adventures together and there are loads of them and man oh man just like uh, the letter writer had uh, had written to us they're terrific what they're filled with, and it's, and it's really uplifting and empowering, and sometimes it can be downright funny, too. <laughs> so when we come back, we'll, we'll wrap it up today and, of course, heading into Houston soon, so we want to let everybody know about that as well. We'll be right back with one last segment for today's Advanced Medicine Monday version of the Robert Scott Bell Show. You're listening to the Robert Scott Bell Show. In the health world through the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. 
Hey, Dr. Batar, as we wrap up this week's show and cover a lot of things, we always bring it in from the principles that we discuss into some level of practicality as well. We hope that it, it, people get that, and they do, and I think, I think they do. But the Prostate Awareness Month, I think that's what transitions from breast cancer awareness. We talked about the physician that you helped overcome the prostate issue, but I'm sure a lot of people will want to know, hey, what can I do? You know, not just uh, that guy, but what about what about me? All the guys out there going, hey, what about me? Well, he um, let's put it this way: there was that was a different, that was a much more um, difficult scenario to deal with. But you know, with prostate issues, and it's interesting that it's one of the most common issues out there. The statistics from over 15 years ago showed that more than one, uh, more more than 10 million Americans. Uh, had actually males suffered from benign prostatic hypertrophy. I think it was like one out of four males or something to that, one out of five males, I can't remember, adult males. Mm -hmm. But it is a huge issue. And an example of something that really does seem to work is saw palmetto as an example of something that's very beneficial. And yet the FDA, in its infinite wisdom, stopped the use of saw palmetto or prevented the use of saw palmetto from being sold in natural health food stores. Now, Now I believe you can buy it, but some years ago, they had actually tried to stop it. Now, saw palmetto, very similar to St. John's wort in that it must be harvested at a certain time. It must be stored at a certain temperature. It must be uh, extracted and harvested with specific criteria. And if it's not, it won't be as effective. Um, the prostate just naturally is a very well-encapsulated, difficult-to-reach organ. And so when a person ends up having benign prostatic hypertrophy, uh, the resolution of some of those symptoms, which are in basically a retention, urinary retention, uh, loss of flow, uh, frequency of urination, nocturia, which is getting up in the middle of the night, those type of things. You have to first and foremost make sure that there's not an infection going on, mm-hmm. with the prostatitis, right. or there's not something else going on like, a, God forbid, some type of a cancer, a prostate cancer, or even a, a bowel cancer that's causing some mass effect. And Right now, it just so happens that I'm dealing with this with a with some with um, my dog of all of all people with wow. the prostatitis, and it is a very big issue with uh, breeding dogs. Whenever they're around females that come into heat, and that they, that they they're more sensitive to the hormonal fluctuations and the pheromones and all that stuff kind of gets kicked around, and then they flare up. And then when the females are no longer in heat, then the dog's fine. But when there's a flare up. They have loss of appetite. They get dehydrated. They can die from it because they almost follow like a septic-like picture. So, you know, what does a person do if they have a prostate issue? Well, if it is benign prostatic hypertrophy, there are a number of things that can be done for it. But saw palmetto would be one of those, and many people have had a great deal of benefit. There are some conventional treatments that I don't recommend, which are drugs that are used uh, for cardiac conditions such as Cardura, and then they'll use it. But I don't use that at all. Um, we have a product called Prosaleve that we've had great success with for well over 10 years. It's a transdermal. You put it on your arms and you can start urinating. Most people, if they urinate three times in the middle of the night, they only need to go maybe once in the middle of the night or it totally resolves it. They don't have to get up. Uh, pretty quick onset of uh, results, less than uh, 24 hours, you start seeing the results. And, um, you know, there's many other things as some homeopathics out there. Robert, you may yes. want to talk about the homeopathic aspect of it because I'm not as well versed on that. Well, but yeah. I- well, certainly the, home- the homeopathic version of saw palmetto is known as sabal, and that's excellent. 
We also know that major trace mineral deficiencies can result selenium. They've linked to it as well uh, as, as far as prostatic health. We talk about the use of the prostate as well, the, the, the dysfunction due to atrophy. I mean, there are other issues there we've even brought up for men that, you know, main, maintaining some level of sexual activity throughout life is like just anything, like exercising in Oregon. That's a very good point. In fact, uh, when you start looking at Hammer's work and with cancer and the suppression of certain emotions, um, I would say that exercising the prostate, which is obviously more usage of the sexual organs, being more sexually active. Now, please, nobody out there misconstrue what I'm saying and say, going out and get promiscuous. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying to exercise that aspect mm-hmm. of life is important. And I think the people that do have a um, healthier sex life may end up having less of a chance of having prostate issues. Right. And, um, you know, it's basically, like you said, it's, it's exercising that organ. It's uh, constantly cycling. And I think that's a huge component to it. Yeah. And also, I think you kind of hit it at the the endocrine thing. A lot of times, it, even in animals, like if those, those uh, animals, it's not like you feed them canned food, but a lot of the canned foods out there have a BPA lining it. So these estrogens are also con- contributing to these abnormal growths here in men. And Robert, I'm so glad you said that. It's not like I'm feeding the regular dog food. I mean, I, our dogs eat raw and, and have always eaten raw. So it is, uh, we know that the, from a dietary standpoint, and that's what one, even one of the vets said, she said to me, she said, look, I don't say this to other people, but you're feeding, uh, th- there's no better food than you're feeding your dogs. Yeah, exactly. And, um, so, yeah, that, that is, assuming that the dietary aspects and everything have been have been taken into consideration, then obviously, what we just the recommendations that Robert you just made and I made would be not appropriate if a person isn't doing the fundamental things like mm-hmm. you know proper mineralization, proper diet, abstination from certain things that we know can cause these type of problems. Um, you know, exposure to heavy metals, exposure to persistent organic pollutants, et cetera, et cetera. So, making that assumption as an underlying basis mm-hmm. of what you would start with, then looking at things such as the salt palmetto or the prosoleve, which is a product that I mentioned, the transdermal one, yes. looking at the homeopathics, um, these are all crucial. I was actually looking at, there was one other one, um, isn't pygeum something to Pygeum, salt- also all, used in combination with salt palmetto is excellent, uh, and it's an African herb, I believe. So these right. are things we've done homeopathically in, con- in concert with the herbs. And listen, we're about out of time, so fundamental thing you can do is pick up the nine steps to keep the doctor away, because you'll get all of these principles and more, more than we can ever cover even once a week here on the Robert Scott Bell Show when Dr. Rasha Batar is my co-host here for Advanced Medicine Mondays. Robert, thank you for that. I just wanted to say was one other thing. I was just looking it up because I couldn't remember. It's the Anona muricata leaf, which is also very beneficial for prostate health. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, we have them all mentioned and linked up in the show notes today. Dr. Batar, thank you for being here. And remember, everybody, get down to Houston, November 16, 17, com. Check it out, link it up, and sign up, and we'll see you there. In the meantime, until next week and until tomorrow, the power to heal is yours. <music> 